Come in. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort. Slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hey there, welcome to the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast here on Hawk Fanatic. It is Thursday, July the 13th, a little after, that's 9.16 a.m. Scott and I did a lot of uh, pre-podcast, pre-recording talk that you guys missed probably the best conversation, but stay around here anyway, and uh, we'll try to entertain you here. Joined by Scott Docterman, I am Rob Howe, and uh, this is the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast. As I mentioned, it is, as as I said, July 13th, so not a lot of... Uh, not a, not a lot of meat on the bone, but there's some particles on there that we'll pick at today uh, in terms of Hawkeye sports. And uh, pretty uh, pretty glad it's Thursday, Scott. I'm ready for this week to be over. You know, the summer is supposed to be uh, what it used to be. I guess probably right before we got into this business, it used to be that time of year where guys took a month plus off, maybe then poked their head in the office for a week and then maybe did some PTL and that's about it. Well, that's, that doesn't exist anymore um, for a lot of us. And for me, this summer has been busier than the damn spring was. And uh, that's even with the NFL draft. So uh, uh, it's I'm looking forward to football season. So things can unwind. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, no, I will talk about it, but it's just like the Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern story was depressing. And then, you know, we said goodbye to a friend earlier this week at his service and then people going at each other in Des Moines with state politics. It's just been this week. You talk about like, just, you know, the focus on mental health in this country. And it just seems like there's so much negativity and um, yeah, other stories we'll talk about here too. You know, Fran McCaffrey's family, that was, you know, it's just, it's not been a great week. So hopefully uh, this is therapeutic for all of us, uh, me included to kind of get through the rest of this week. There has been, there has been good news. Uh, Caitlin Clark continues to, uh, to shine and and, uh, be recognized for her exploits. But uh, I think we should probably start Scott with uh, what's been a big conversation. I mean, I'm not, I don't know if I've gone to a, you know, a cookout or, of, you know, 4th of July gathering, whatever, 
whatever I've done this summer, the McCaffrey story has come up and people ask about it. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I've heard things. You've heard things. Now we have some closure here to a very, very sad and traumatic experience for a lot of people and the unfortunate um, death of a, you know, a, a near retirement uh, National Guard Sergeant First Class and Corey Height. That's the that's the ultimate uh, and most prominent part of this story is somebody lost their life. And uh, it's really it's hard. It's hard to talk about and it's hard to think about. It sure is. And, you know, we, we've heard, obviously, for almost two months about that incident and have intentionally kind of shied away from it until all the facts came out because of the nature of it. Um, there was so much speculation, rumor, innuendo as to what happened, um, what Jack McCaffrey was doing. And, uh, you know, he was cited for hitting somebody in the crosswalk, um, you know, which, uh, you know, I, I don't know where that's going to go. I won't speculate on what the legal maneuvering will be, but, you know, ultimately you, you first thought is the family of, of the, you know, national guardsman who passed, he's got four kids. He was married for 22 years and he's 45 years old, just close to retirement from the national guard, just a, a tragedy of, uh, consequential you know magnitude that you cannot replace and so my sincere comments and and thoughts and prayers to go out to him and his family and have since this situation happened but and then you look at the at the other side with with Jack McCaffrey and what a traumatic experience this is and you know what was kind of mentioned more so in the McCaffrey family statement but uh, what we heard or learned along the way about somebody waving over a, a jogger on a busy street and then Jack McCaffrey not, not seeing the, the, the jogger and hitting him in the other lane. And it kind of goes to um, safety, if nothing else. I mean, you want to be nice when you're driving. And sometimes, you know, we all do that and in Iowa, especially it's, you know, it's, it's not defensive. It's like passive defensive driving for some people, which is no, you go, no, you go, you know, you go, you go to a four-way stop and it takes, you know, 10 and a half minutes before people go. And then it's like, well, why'd you go? <laughs> and then there's yeah. the, the races around the roundabout. Yeah. I'm cutting you off on the round. You know, that's yeah. just a complete anarchy. Yeah. It's, it's, it, you know, you got people who are aggressive and you got people who aren't driving. Well, this goes to show that, Anybody with a right of way that's not at a stop sign, don't stop. You know, just don't. Unless you're on a two lane street and nobody's coming, you know, it's just that's that's a sad byproduct or you know part of this story too. So and that's um, you've driven that stretch, and that's not. It always seems like when people pass over, um, would that be First Avenue? No, uh, Mormon Trek. Yeah, going west, mm -hmm. it's like going towards City High. Most times, those cars, it's it, you. You see, you're in like speed zones, and people will kind of do the speed limit a little bit under. Maybe that's one of those areas where people step on it and yeah. kind of flow through there. And it's a school. It's kind of a. 
I don't know. It, it, uh, 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 it's kind of a setup that might that's right for something like this because it's four lanes. Mm-hmm. It's thirty five, and it goes past the high one of the bigger high schools in this part of the state. Yeah, West High, and it's just really, you know, again, you've got to be careful. And and I'm not suggesting that the guardsman, you know, he unfortunately he you know he's passed away. He probably did what most did. He was jogging and stopped and somebody waved him across, but, you know, and I'm sure everyone, you know, for a fraction of a second would love to to change their, um, to change everything they did. It's just, you know, what I don't like and what I tried to prevent, but it didn't work was I hate, I fucking hate the commentary on this that people have had, you know, which is, um, that he didn't, oh, that's pretty light for killing somebody, or, you know, they, uh, you know, somebody's always at fault. And I'm not saying that nobody was not, was at fault here, but I just don't think that commentary is the the right thing to do when we're trying to discuss this situation. It's just, I don't know. You know, so, you know, I, I tried to shut off comments on Twitter and of course people just quote tweeted me and, and then it just became this, arguing over the penalties and what Jack should face. And, and then people ask me, well, is this why he's, he's doesn't want to go to Iowa? And I'm like, I really don't want to speculate on that, man. I mean, let's, let's keep those things separate for today. Let's just kind of, this is a traumatic situation and let's keep it at such. There'll be lots of time to talk about basketball, but let's keep it at, at this. Yeah. And that's the, I think when you go down the road of, you know, who's at fault that we all do that. We want to know who's to blame for something and and who's at fault. But if you just take what we know, it was somebody jogging who, if you're exercising, you know, you're, you're trying to keep it going. So you don't want to stop. So, you know, and then there's a person being nice waving him across, letting him go. Think about how that person feels right now. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then somebody who doesn't realize what's going on with the jogger and the person who's being courteous is just driving and hits the other, you know, it's just, it's, again, it's, it's what we know it, it, you know, there, what, there's no evidence that he was on his cell phone or distracted driver, things like yeah. that. It's just a tragic accident. It really is. Yeah. I mean, if, if there was evidence of texting or if, or alcohol or something, right. I, you know, then, then we can, then there are ways to opine on that. And the, and, but because the police just never, you know, whatever happened. I mean, maybe there was, maybe there wasn't, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm not going to speculate, but I'm going to say that the police didn't find that to be the case. They didn't charge him with that. And so that's not something that you can really uh, adjudicate. And, and so at this point, it just doesn't, it doesn't jive with me. Now, you know, if we want to reverse time and go back a couple of years ago and discuss the, the Jordan Bohannon incident in the bar at DC's, <laughs> you know, by all means, you know, because there's video of it for one, but two, it's, um, there's, you know, you know, that's a situation where I think you can come to either different conclusions or discuss it in a way where uh, opinion kind of is justified in this situation. I just think it's such an unfortunate situation where there's really no fault. And 
the scars of this incident are going to be there for the rest of Jack's life, for that other driver's life, for the family of, of Corey Height, for the, for the McCaffrey family. Because if this was my son or my daughter who did this, I would be devastated myself. And, and that's kind of what was highlighted in the McCaffrey family uh, letter. And, you know, people were like, oh, this is definitely Fran's last year. Again, wh- however you feel about Fran as a coach or as a person or whatever, that's irrelevant. Think of it this way, that this is just a horrible, tragic accident. And I think that, uh, it, you know, we, we need to just kind of leave that one alone. I think the landscape, Scott, of where we are, not to get too deep here or philosophical, but as a society is, you talked about it, it's Twitter, it's threads, it's uh, Instagram, Facebook, everybody wants, you know, immediate information, everybody wants to talk about things, especially when people are celebrities, um, you know, high profile people. And as you said, as for lack of a better term, this thing has festered for two months with people. You know, we had another situation in town here where two people were arrested in a, in a traffic accident that killed somebody. And Jack McCaffrey's name was not released till the end is I kind of see this. I know I've seen, you know, the freedom of information, uh, folks in the state and other people talking about how, you know, most times the name is released. I understand what the Iowa city police did here because it is a high profile case and you are, you know, investigating somebody who is a celeb, you know, a relative of, of a celebrity and has some celebrity himself. He's one of the higher ranked basketball prospects in the country for his class. And I think, what they were able to do by just focus on, on the investigation, not there wasn't really anything to release anyway, other than his name. And it was out there anyway. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I understand it. But I also understand people that feel like, Hey, the name should have been out there. But at the end of the day, as we said, it's just a tragedy, just a, you know, just unfortunate tragedy. And then obviously there's the, you know, the, uh, public information component of the story as well. Yeah. I think reasonable people can disagree on the, the profile of who was involved. I do think that that portion of it, whether the, you know, it, he's, he's a minor too. Let's not forget that. Yes. You know, he's 16, 16. You know, so, um, so I think that that's something because, you know, we see, crimes felonies committed by teenagers underage that their names are not released so i think we can discuss that one at a at a higher level uh, as to whether or not these names should be released um and you know but i'm not going to fault the the police department from following their due diligence to to come up with you know, what, whether or not he should be cited, you know, or if there was whatever was involved, because as you mentioned, not only in the profile of, uh, of Jack himself, of the McCaffrey family, very prominently known nationally, not just locally. Um, and then, and then you also look at the ramifications because how he he's cited or charged with something has civil consequences. If there is ever a, a lawsuit filed, um, 
And we should mention that the McCaffrey release did come through a lawyer. Yeah, absolutely. And so there are different areas that you just have to, you know, and the police are smart. I mean, that's maybe, you know, unfortunate. This is a completely different topic as to who, you know, who and what gets, you know, goes through the system and who's fairly treated and unfairly treated. And, you know, yes, money has an impact on it. Who has an attorney, how the attorney interacts with the law enforcement has a major factor on that. And, you know, and then you also look at the, um, you know, the, the, the Johnson County attorney's office, how they want it because they are impacted. I mean, they're high profile people. So I just think that the, the charging part of it or the citing part of it need absolutely need to be going as, as diligent as possible to, to come up with whatever. And I'm not going to uh, criticize them or anything regarding what Jack was cited with. That's up to the police department. That's up to, to the court of law. But I, 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 I think you can agree or disagree about the, whether or not his name should have been announced earlier. Um, but I'm not going to disagree at all with the the length of time that it took before they decided to, you know, what uh, violation to cite Jack with. Yeah, we don't have any really insight into that investigation either. What was used? I mean, witnesses. Um, you know, some type of video footage, if there is any, um, and you know, we just don't know what they use, but you know, I agree with you that you want them to do a thorough investigation unencumbered, not having to deal with, you know, the public. So just kind of put your head down, do it, get, gather all the facts that you are available to you. You know, was he speeding? Was he on his phone? Mm-hmm. They didn't find that stuff. Yeah. You know, they didn't find any violation in that regard. And uh, I think the charge reflects that. Right. And, you know, and here's what the McCaffrey's have to decide to do in the future regarding this case is, um, are they just going to, you know, in a million times, people, you know, most people would just pay the fine. However, when you're dealing with a car accident and insurance and the potential, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but the potential for civil litigation, you know, they may want to plead not guilty. They may want a court date. They may want it, you know, because then if they plead, you know, if Jack pleads guilty, then you're held liable for that. And then, you know, then if there's a civil litigation, then you get, so there's, there's a lot of legal nuance involved here. And so, you know, that, that's why I can, why it took so long. And, and that's why I expect it to, you know, I mean, it'll be, it'll be, I, I will probably keep, keep checking just to see if it has been paid, you know, if he's paid the fine and moved on, but, but he also faces, you know, suspension of uh, his license for six months because there was a, uh, a fatality involved. Yes. And uh, we'll see this story. Obviously, there's a potential for civil litigation. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of see where this goes from here. But, uh, it, you know, the information is out there, what people were talking about, you know, in gatherings throughout the summer. And, and I think that speaks to, you know, the celebrity aspect of this, the the public figure aspect of this, how many people wanted to talk about this, even though the name wasn't out there. And that yeah. probably... um justifies how it was handled by the Iowa city police department. Absolutely. I, I know we both have, you know, you, whether it's 
a high school friend of mine on, you know, on DM on Facebook and then thinking that he's getting off scot-free. And then the discussion of, you know, well, I heard this and I heard he was on his phone or I heard he was drinking or, you know, I, you know, I don't, I'm like, I don't know what you want me to tell you, you know? And it's like, oh, they're just trying to sweep this under the rug. And this is, I'm not going there either. I, I think that right now it's, you know, finding out all the details because of the tragic, you know, f- you know, part of this. And, and so, yeah, everywhere, you know, a lot of places I've gone as you have to, and, you know, whether it's texts, DMs, whatever. And I, there are several things that I just will not opine on. And uh, this is one of them that I've just, you know, here are the facts and that's it, you know, and maybe that makes me old school or whatever, but that's really all I'm going to do in this case. I mean, my, you know, our opinions here are as far as I'm going to go, but I'm not going to say, oh, they should have done this or he should have done it. You know, it's, it's hindsight because if anybody could take away that half second decision, they all would have universally, Yep. you know, and it would have just been a moment that nobody would have even given a, a thought to in this world. Like we do driving down the street every day, but it didn't happen. And it is, it's just a sad, sad situation. Yep. No doubt. And the correct approach here for others is to not get on social media and elsewhere and be a dick, but to, you know, if you pray, pray, if you, you know, if you're more, uh, you know, a vibes person do that, but just, you know, think about the people that were affected here and hope, you know, that they can heal as best they can. It's it's going to stay with them forever, but you know, hopefully there's healing here over time for a really tragic event that as Scott said, you know, just it was a succession of, you know, quick decisions, uh quick, you know, actions and uh ended in tragedy. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. And you think of, you know, he's got four children, he's got a wife, he's yeah. got, he's got his parents are alive, he's got two brothers, he's, you know, been in the military for what, 27 years or something, yeah. 23, uh, you know, grew up in Marion, you know, just, you know, he's got friends and family all over the place, and they're all going to be affected by it. Jack McCaffrey's a young man. This is mentally going to take its toll on him. And it's the, it, it's a situation that, you know, and I don't know how much more we get into this, but this is one where I guarantee some people have probably woken up in the middle of the night with nightmares that they, that moment comes to their mind and then they're two 30 in the morning or whatever. And it pops up It tragedy is just something that it's not going to shake. And, and it could be somebody in the other side of the road who saw it happen. Cause I don't know how many times I've seen it or you've seen, you know, maybe it's somebody walking behind a car in a, in a, in a parking lot. And all of a sudden you see the car backing up. You're like, no, you know, yep. and I'll scream really loud, you know, and just because, you know, a kid or something like that. And, uh, I've been hit by a car uh, I, two days after September 11th. And uh, so that laid me up for the weekend and I didn't have anything to watch, but I don't mean to make light of the situation. No, it's, that, no, I know where you're going. I had my foot run over when it, in New York city once by a cab. Uh, it did not feel good. It happened yeah. so quick too. But anyway, 
let's put our energy yeah. into thinking about the, you know, the people that were affected by this and not getting on social media and uh, screaming foul play and yeah. cover up and all that other stuff. So hopefully uh, everybody uh, can begin healing from really a shitty situation. Yeah. Um, we, there's really no way to, uh, transition to sports talk after this but we'll do our best to do that and uh we learned scott yesterday i recorded my mailbag yesterday because i didn't do it on tuesday because we're at steve's service but um somebody had asked me who i thought iowa was going to bring to indianapolis it's always that summertime you know guessing game on who it's going to be and i kind of wrote guys down that i was thinking in my mind before i started recording the mailbag and there's I mean, there were plenty of of guys I thought were, uh, you know, worthy, uh, you know, that I think would be good participants in something like that. Um, you know, you just go off the top, you know, three guys I think that have meant a lot to this program that aren't going, Nico Ragaini, mm-hmm. Tori Taylor, and Logan right. Lee. Those yeah. three to me were like on my list early on. Joe Evans. Yeah, you know, I, I think there are a lot of guys there. I think they did a good job here, though. I think Kirk did a good job here. Um, you know, do you bring McNamara? Do you not bring McNamara? I saw. I think Wisconsin's bringing Mordecai. So, yeah. you know, it, it's tough now. With the we talk, you know, how much time have we spent on this podcast with NIL and the transfer portal? And now it affects things like this because people are thinking, all right, do I bring a guy? Who's been in my program? Do I bring a guy who the media wants to talk to? What do you do here? And I think for Kirk, it's it's usually been a reward for service. Yeah, it, it's always who's who deserves it and who represents the program in his eyes best. And that's not the same as what we think. Because right. we think or fans think of it as your three best players. And we think and he thinks of it as three most deserving players, you know, so it's, it's a different vibe altogether. Yeah. Tanner Mordecai's coming. Jeff Sims from Nebraska. Right, that's the other one I saw yeah. too. Yeah. You know, they're transfer quarters. Hell there's they're six starting transfer quarterbacks in the West division this year. I mean, only Minnesota does not have a transfer quarterback starting, which is really wild. Row the boat, uh, baby. Oh, and Purdue, same deal. You know, Hudson card yeah. from Texas. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's uh, so it's really fascinating to me how this gets decided. And I really did think that Cade McNamara would go. I really did think that. Now, you know, something we're not necessarily privy to that I don't even know if anybody would tell us would be, did he ask him and he say no? You know, that very well he, could have happened too. Because he would have been facing Michigan reporters. Yeah, right. And maybe he didn't want to. Maybe he mm-hmm. said no. And I'm and this is just throwing it out there, but Cade seems like the type of guy that I'll go if you want me to go. But I also think these guys have deserved it because they've been here. You know, he yep. just kind of has that persona. And when you look at Cooper DeGene makes perfect sense. He's the best player on the team. He's one of the best players in the country. Yeah, bring that guy. Luke Lachey surprised me. I re- I'll be honest. I mean, I think he's got the potential to be that guy. And maybe they know that too. And maybe they think, you know, this is, they thought differently lately about some of these topics. And maybe this is a way for them to say, you know what? We think this guy's really freaking good. And nobody's really given, you know, and he's getting a little bit of run, but not enough. And, and, so and, we- and tight end is our 
That's our premium position. That's the one that everybody thinks about Iowa. I mean, it used to be offensive line, and it still is to a degree, but it's tight end you. Yeah, it's tight end you. Look at the NFL. I mean, (laughs) you're going to have four starting tight ends in the NFL this year. And here's our next guy. Yeah, and here's our next guy. Plus, you know, you got the Ohio State angle. You know, Mm -hmm. his dad's a sideline reporter, you know, All-American there. Um, So there's there's some good stories there with Luke Lachey, and I'm sure the Ohio State – it's from Columbus area. So I'm sure that'll be good there. And, and then Noah Shannon, um, tip of the cap, you know, this is it, it, between him or Logan Lee. I think you couldn't make a wrong decision. And, and I think with, uh, with Noah that, um, you know, I, I guess in speculating, I don't think he must be in too bad of trouble for, um, you know, a situation. So because <laughs> I was wondering, I was wondering how you're going to go down that yeah, road. But yes, I, I was thinking the same thing. Right. I saw. And if people don't know, we're talking about tough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I don't know that they would go if he had some issues. Yes. But uh, <laughs> I was thinking Jay Higgins maybe too because of being an Indiana kid. But I think yeah. Noah Shannon got a year on him, been in oh, this yeah. program, and he's kind of that. You know, he's the, he's the, a great example of a guy who came in and worked his way up into playing time and then became a team leader and a really productive player. Sure. You know, um, he's back for a sixth year and he's, uh, you know, and, you know, one thing we, we talked about a few years ago, and I think this probably still resonates, is you want to you want to be as diverse as you can be. And that doesn't mean you shortchange somebody. You know, it just means that there are lots of opportunities and provide some opportunities for players who deserve it. And and whether it's Logan Lee or whether it's Noah Shannon, I think you could flip a coin either way and be just as happy. And and if it's you know, Tory Taylor would have been a lot of fun. Um, but you know, and, and sometimes these players don't. Want you bring to- your tight end and your punter. What's yeah. more Iowa than that? Yeah, maybe he wants to avoid those jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe they want to avoid those jokes. I don't know. But, uh, you know, and, and he does ask his coaches, too. Who do you think? And and maybe Kelvin was like, you know, Noah deserves this. Noah's been Or he could. I mean, they could have talked to both. I mean, Logan and, and Noah are really close. They could have been like, you know, you know, we'd like to take one of you guys. Do you guys have a feeling on it? And, you know, you know, and I'll mention, because uh, I had it written down, you know, Logan Lee. Uh yeah good works team. You know, he's got a lot of stuff going on in his life. He's married. Yeah. Maybe his wife didn't want him to go. Yeah. Yeah. Very <laughs> I'm much. Kidding. So. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I, I'll say this, that, that, you know, uh, you know, you, your wife's probably sitting by you. That's probably Yes. I'm very way. careful right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think, you know, yeah, she could have played a factor, but I think probably in the factor of if that's a factor, let's say that, Hey, you know, it gives me one one more day at home before camp starts. Yep. Is, uh, you know, and Noah may have a significant other. I don't know. But if he does, then, you know, there at least he doesn't have a ring. <laughs> so he doesn't have to worry about that. Uh, you know, and, and again, we don't we don't know all the, the, the nuance. And, and it, it's always funny because I get this question, you know, when you're on the radio and you get these questions on podcast, who I was going to take. And it, it's funny I, I always kind of turn around and said, well, who do you think they're going to take in basketball? <laughs> Nobody cares. You know? yeah. So they seem uh, like they bring more in basketball yeah. than football. And there's, it's a much smaller roster. It doesn't right. make sense. 
yeah, there's like four guys who, you know, Fran has taken in the past and, and there's a fraction of the media there. And, you know, I, but, you know, again, coaches look at it differently as a reward is, you know, in some ways and basketball is different than football. So, but, you know, there, there's a pretty good um, array of players. I, I'm kind of pleased with who is all showing up, except for I think Michigan could have done a better job, but that Michigan always could do a better job. You know, J.J. McCarthy should probably be there, but, you, you know, you, you never know with, with Harbaugh. And, yeah, he's a weirdo. Yeah, I mean, it would have been great to talk to J.J. McCarthy about uh, Kate. Mm, yep. But I guess we will have to settle for the Big Ten championship game in December. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we're headed there. Yeah. Um, take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Why not? Let's uh, get my read up here. I should know this thing by heart. Actually, I recited, I recited it the other day without uh, the script in front of me, but I, I worry sometimes I'm going to leave something out. So I will let you all know that support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited. Celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. Sui.org Systems Unlimited doing great work in East Central Iowa for over 50 years. And we certainly appreciate their work and their support of our podcast. We're going to hear from a few others who support the podcast through sponsorship. If you'd like to do so, reach out. Scott and I will take on anybody who wants to support us. Uh, We'll welcome you with open arms. So take a break here, hear from a few folks, and we'll be back on the other side. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483, 400-4483. Hi, this is AJ Perez, managing partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. Hey, hey, we made it back here on the Hotspot Podcast. Rob Howe joined by Scott Docterman from The Athletic. And as always, most weeks we are here, 9 a.m.-ish Central Time on Thursdays. So check us out. Check back weekly. We stream it on YouTube uh, for your viewing pleasure. I don't know how pleasurable that is looking at the two of us, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, Scott, for some reason, I don't know why, um, sat through the entire ESPY Awards last night and watched, <laughs> saw, saw Caitlin Clark uh, name the uh, collegiate, whatever it is, women's at what is basically the same award she won out in California the week before, but just uh, in the ESPY realm this time. And 
I heard a lot of complaints about this broadcast, Scott. It was the worst broadcast I've ever seen in my life of anything of note. And I wish I would have saw her um, win that award. But we didn't see that her win that award. We didn't see anybody. Oh, they win. didn't even show that? No, no, no. Oh, no. okay. Yeah, that was released after the fact. After three freaking hours of um, ESPN gets a bad rap in certain areas. This was probably that times 100. You know, you they used to have like in memoriam, Rob. There yeah. was no in memoriam. I'm like, you know, you want to see all the all this athletes and the sports figures who passed in last year oh no there wasn't anything like that um what about the retirements oh they had a big little big little ceremony for carmelo anthony jumbo shrimp yeah exactly jumbo <laughs> shrimp. yeah it was a big little it was a big deal for a short period of time a uh, ceremony for carmelo anthony retiring but the goat tom brady retired and there was nothing on him not one word um, you know, Pat McAfee was the host, but he was only up there for his monologue, and that was about it. Um, the every other, I mean, almost every award, Rob, was um, courage, and you know, I mean, I, and I think it devalues it, you know, when you constantly have this sob story of we changed the world in this way, we did this Arthur Ashe Courage Award. I mean, I feel I they're all great stories. But as you know, Rob, you can't write a tearjerker every single day. Right. It, it, it runs together. And when you only have, I think, six or seven of your um, athletes, you know, they had the breakthrough athlete and Angel Reefs made sure to go like this up there. And I did it, see that. It, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. And so it's time for that to be done. Well, it's like, you know, now they're trying to make it look like it's hers. And it's like, um, you're late to the party here. Yeah. Um, you know, so she won breakout athlete, but they didn't show baseball at all. Nothing on baseball. Everything was NBA focused a little bit on football because the chiefs won team of the year and Mahomes won. So does yeah, ESPN and uh, Disney have the rights to the NBA? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, they do, they do for the NFL too. And they do for MLB. They should, they should, <laughs> but you know, I'm like looking at the list. It's like there was, they didn't announce NFL player of the year. They didn't announce major league baseball, NHL, uh, college football co or college sports, men's or women's. So this doesn't sound like it was a exercise to hand out awards. It was an exercise to congratulate ourselves for all the good things that we've done as a society. And, and, um, and then we sat there for three hours and, and it wasn't me. I would have rather watched the first part of the Mayans and not the second, um, the DVR I version. Watched, I haven't watched any of it yet. And I was watching, I'll tell you how much I care about the ESPYs. I was watching NBA Summer League last night. <laughs> I would have rather watched that. Um, <laughs> the only reason why, and I know I mentioned this before, is my my wife is a, is a massive Iowa women's basketball fan. And that's and, how disappointing is that to watch that show and not be able to see the person you're wanting to see who won the award. I know that's the problem. It's like, <laughs> um, you know, and then we get some stupid ass fucking joke about Iowa corn when it gets brought what was up. that about? I didn't, I saw it on Twitter, but I did not get the context. I, it was something to the effect of, well, Iowa does more than just grow corn. Because oh, Brock, Brock Purdy and Caitlin Clark, and I know I'm lazy. Saying, it's like that's lazy. That's stereotype, you know, just 
you know, hey, let's go like Caitlin Clark. What the fuck? You know, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, you know, and, and in reality, I mean, is she a breakout performer? Well, she was basically the, you know, national player of the year the year before her and, um, you know, uh, you know, she was split Aaliyah, there. Aaliyah Boston, right? Aaliyah Boston got yeah. it, but but she got some votes and stuff. So maybe she wasn't, maybe that wasn't the award for her. But I think if she's in the category, then she deserves it. Or, you know, Brock Purdy, um, terrific story there. You know, whether you- Is that the one that Angel Reese won? Yeah. That was, What was that breakout, breakthrough? Break, uh, breakthrough, yeah. Performance? Yeah. How does that- how Breakthrough performer. Not, performer. You know. Yeah. So, so I guess that's somebody who you're not expecting something out of that breaks through. I, you know, maybe somebody who wasn't much of a name before, but became a big name. And, and I guess, uh, you know, so what was Angel Reese known for? I mean, she was a good basketball player. I thought Aaliyah Boston's a better basketball player than she was. So she basically followed around Caitlin Clark and pointed at her ring and went like this at the end of a game, which, I don't have a problem with the actions I do at the time of the game. I'm like, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe during the game you do that maybe afterwards, but anyway, that's the area there. I just, I, I, I was really, really disappointed. I thought it was a complete waste of time. And I'm thinking ESPN, you know, make this a celebration of sports, you know, bring, there are so many fun and interesting stories. I mean, Otani, you know, from, from the angels, we've never seen anybody like this. Not in the last hundred years have we seen anybody be able to do what he's doing. What a great opportunity for them to promote one of the sports that they cover. You know, uh, Connor McDavid, you know, from in hockey. Um, it was pretty much all NBA and Angel Reese. And that was it. And I thought, man, you lost a lot. Of, you lost a big freaking opportunity. You know, Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy. And he's coming back. Not one word. Um, just a terrible, terrible job. I mean, you know, yes, Liam Hendricks is a great story for fighting cancer. No question. Um, the, the women's soccer team fighting for equality. Great story. No question. Um, among the others, you know, Drew Holiday and his wife, Lauren, and their, the fights that they're doing. But after a while, the fights run together. And it's like, you're bogging me down with this. This is why people don't want to read these stories every single day. And you shouldn't cram them into a three hour show. And then, Oh, by the way, here's the play of the year. And it's Justin Jefferson with five minutes to go. And it's, Oh, here's tame of the year. And it's the Kansas city Chiefs. So anyway, there's my rant. It I'm sounds ready. like it was like a, you know, 30 for 30, a collection of 30 for 30 documentary short docs. Yeah. And, and on a, what should have been a award show. Right. I mean, what do you want to be? And, you know, probably midway through it, I tweeted out, I'm like, they should, they should have two uh, of these ones for, you know, sports performance and one for, you know, achievement, you know, or, yeah. or off the floor or whatever, because, you know, I, I think this is an opportunity if you're ESPN to, to, to showcase your sports that you pay a hell of a lot of money to do. And it's on ABC and there's nothing else going on. Oh, that so, thing was on ABC last night. I yeah. guess I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So, and again, I was just like, what the hell? And then nine o'clock came and I'm like, I really want to turn to the, the Mayans, but my wife really wants to watch <laughs> Caitlin Clark. And I'm like, well, I'll DVR it anyway and blow through the commercials. And, you know, I was kind of glad I did it that way. It was a heck yeah, of a- Those FX commercials can drag, man. Yeah. That's why I like being able to f- 
you fast forward through those. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, especially the Burger King ones, you know, because I, they're on every freaking network and they're on every commercial break. And I'm like, how much money do they have? Uh, And I have to mute them because I, I mute them within a second. And I always say the word, no, because <laughs> I just don't, you know, they, they, they filter your brain and they don't get out of there. I'm like, ah. so anyway. <laughs> uh, well, it sounds like I didn't miss anything. So I'm glad I will probably no. won't watch next year either. No. Um, what else do I have on my list? Lisa Bluter. Yes. Speaking of uh, women's basketball contract extension, after we spoke last week, it's been a few days since that news came out. I believe she goes through the, is it the 28-29 season? Yeah. Is that the contract extended through? Yeah. So Well-deserved. And uh, she seems, I mean, she's older than me. She's in a hell of a lot better shape than me. And I think uh, she's she's got the program cooking right now. Why leave? Yeah. Why retire? <laughs> she has no reason to. And, uh, you know, and her salary was bumped up to a million bucks. And then all, and then with, you know, the guarantees that aren't part of the salary, you know, it equals about 650,000. And then she has some, you know, incentives, which she collected on almost all of them last year. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, and rightly so. I mean, and I know when I wrote about it the other day that, it locks up the most popular coach on Iowa's campus, you know, and she is. I don't think that's even to be questioned. I mean, when you can go a week and a half after the national title game and have a celebration and all of a sudden it's 10,000 plus people are showing up for it, that says a lot on a Friday, you know, afternoon, you know, because it's one of those things where the celebrations, if you do it like within a couple of days, then a lot of people still have it on their mind. Mm-hmm. But, if you, but if you do it a week and a half later, then people are like, eh, I don't know if I want to go to Iowa City and brave the traffic and all that. No, it was slam packed. And I mean, and obviously the interest in season ticket sales, the, the prices have jumped. So yeah, really good move for Iowa to, to lock her up. Uh, she's beloved. They got a great and program. It, and it's appropriate for Gary to extend the contract before he steps yeah. out August 1st. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you you don't want to leave that one, hey? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. that one seemed like a no brainer, as they say. Yeah, but I, I got a chance to talk to Gary yesterday for a little while, and they had a, like a uh, a celebration for him, a going away party, and and it was well attended by every coach and all you know administrators. And I didn't write anything; wasn't going to anyway, um, just to kind of find out a little bit more about Gary and what his uh, you know next moves are. He's going to live in Iowa City. Uh, he's, he said he's going to tailgate now. <laughs> and he says, I've never tailgated before and uh, I'm going to do that now. Uh, so I've know, never tailgated before either. Yeah. And I've never seen a game in Kinnick from the stands. I did, but it was a long time ago. I mean, it was long. It was like, yeah, it was the nineties when I was in college. I came up partying with my friends and uh, in fact, one time I had tickets. I didn't make it because we were up too late. We were up to like eight or nine in the morning. And that I'm like, shit hey. probably happens quite a lot. Yeah, it was like <laughs> I got tickets, but we stayed. We partied till like seven, eight nine in the morning. And I'm like, ah, not going to the game. <laughs> but uh, now, you know, he's going to stick around, and uh, you know, he hopes to work with college sports. It's you know, in some capacity, and I think they're going to go to. He said. 
he and his wife and I don't know if the family's going to go to go to like the Blue Ridge Mountains I think it was for a week or two in August and uh you know so I think he's kind of excited to get to the next phase of his life and it was a nice celebration for him you know I mean like you said I think every coach was there except for I didn't see Fran and it's completely understandable but his assistants were there even guys like Kirk Sparrow there were retired administrators there you know Mark Jennings Mark Abbott and some others and you know so yeah I think for the most part Gary was pretty well liked by the employees over there there obviously when you're you're in that position you're going to have some uh conflicts yeah so to speak uh with certain members of your uh staff but you know, for the most part, I think he was pretty well liked over there by by most of the coaches in all of the sports. Yeah, I think that's, you know, the mutually exclusive tag can be applied to some extent that some people may think he didn't do a, a good job or a good enough job, but and other people may think he did. But but I think by and large, his the people he interacted with on a personal level was always pretty good. I think, you know, he got along really well with people that way. And, and so, uh, you know, all, uh, most every coach that I saw, you know, Rick Heller was there. And I guess today was, you know, we want to talk about a big deal 10 years ago today was when Rick Heller was hired. And, and I think you could probably chalk that up as his best hire as a head coach. Yeah. Definitely make an argument for that. You know, um, because remember what baseball was like before. And at that point, if they would have eliminated baseball, yes, it would have pissed everybody off, but it, it was almost like, you know, Iowa State doesn't have it. Wisconsin doesn't have it. Iowa's not even good at it, you know, and uh, Rick Heller has turned Iowa baseball into a very competitive program and one that has a lot of, a lot going for it. So uh, it was good to see Rick there. And Probably be him or Woody, right? Those would be the two, yeah. Joey, Woody, or, or, or both of those guys have done a really good job with programs that, uh, they took over that, you know, weren't in a good place. Yeah. And the third one I'd probably mention to be Lisa Salucci. Yeah. Uh, because of the circumstances in which she replaced, you know, her best friend and turned out to be, you know, maybe the biggest, maybe the biggest situation involving Gary Barta over his career. And, uh, but, you know, Lisa Salucci, you know, was able to stabilize it. I thought that was going to be a wasteland of a program for a while, mm-hmm. but she, uh, she did a nice job there and, and put everything in the right path. And, and then we saw, you know, they ranked as high as number one. And I think they've got a really competitive future there. Uh, I was talking about the NBA summer league and uh, we saw Keegan Murray kind of dip in and out of that and did a great <laughs> job. And Chris has looked good, Scott. Chris is playing well for Portland and, uh, Excuse me. Good to see him. Tyler Cook's running in the summer league and Joe Wieskamp as well. Um, so good to see those guys getting some uh, run and hopefully those guys, well, Chris will stick. Chris, yeah. Chris obviously, obviously will stick. We're nice to see uh, Joe and, and Tyler be able to stick at least with a two-way or something like that as well. So um, I think Chris is going to, I think Chris's best basketball is ahead of him, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, you know, will he be what his brother is? I don't know. And that's, I that's a high that's bar, a, too. Yeah. And I hope people don't hold him to that standard. You know, that's really unfair, you know, because as, and he was held to it here. And I think he came really close. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, there are there, 
there's nuance and you can kind of discuss uh, certain things, but, but I think, you know, his brother is, is a potential all-star and can he get there? I don't know, but I think he could be a very, very good player, potentially a starter in the NBA. And, and I think he's played pretty well. You know, he's hit some threes, he's missed some threes, but you know, he's gotten out there. I haven't watched uh, Tyler cook or, or Wieskamp yet. I'm glad to see cook is what with Milwaukee. I think that's the team. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to see him be able to stick in the league because I think he's had that kind of talent. And, uh, you know, I remember in the old days of the PTL and, you know, his first impression was like, wow, this guy looks different. And it would be nice to see him be able to, to stick with the team and, you know, and Wies Camp as well. So, um, have you seen either one of them? Have they just uh, clips I've seen like on social media or NBA.com. I kind of try to see if I can find anything, but those guys haven't, I, I haven't caught their games. I seem to seem to, I landed on the Knicks last night, which was unfortunate, but they <laughs> did what they, they went to overtime in the NBA uh, all-star or the NBA summer league for some reason. And the Knicks pulled it out in overtime. Really with some guy, I don't know, winning the winning shot. When it comes to preseason or stuff like this, they don't need overtime. No. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it, it's like instant replay in the all baseball all-star game. You don't need that, man. You have freaking six umpires out there, right? You know? It's like, <laughs> and it's the all-star game. Yeah, I know. I mean, and, and then it gets overturned at second base. It's like, yeah. you know. Why do you need them at all? Why don't you just have the guy in the sky view every play? But <laughs> now, uh, when it comes to preseason ball in any sport, shut it down after the you know four quarters in football or NBA, yep. three periods in hockey, and um, nine innings in baseball because uh, you know in, in the NFL, rightly so, most most coaches will go for two you right. know, at the end just to we don't need to be playing in overtime. You know, there's no reason for that, but the only good thing about the baseball and I'm not talking about replay, but the good setup they have, which I hope we get to see sometime is a tie game after nine. And they go to, the, they go to a home run derby. Yeah. I, I heard that. I'm like, well, exactly. How's that work? You know? Um, <laughs> Cause they had asked, who did they ask? Maybe it was Julio Rodriguez for the Mariners. Yeah. They had asked him, if he had been picked for the home run derby, if they went to extra innings and he said no. And I'm like, dude was in the home run derby. How do you not pick him? But yeah. it would have been interesting to see. It's kind of like that shootout. Who do they pick yeah. in soccer to, you know, to be involved in the shootout? It's maybe there's some strategy there. <laughs> yeah. That would be, you know, can you imagine Otani hitting the home yeah. run to win it for the American league when everybody's, I did watch the all-star game. I mean, those are two things that I never really watched, but I watched the all-star game and I watched the ESPYs back to back. I don't know what's wrong with me. The major league baseball all-star game is the only all-star game even remotely worth watching because it actually looks like baseball. Yeah. Whereas the other sport like basketball they don't play defense, so it's not really basketball. Football is whatever. Is it a skills competition now? Do they even yeah. play a game anymore? I think they maybe they play flag football now. Okay. You know, um, it's still, you know, even though MLB got it, it's still like the lowest ratings of all time at like 7 million um, viewers, but it's still decent for the summer. But, but when you're looking at, uh, I think the NFL, even with the skills, flag football game it was still like 
six million. <laughs> yeah, people, yeah, people love the league. There's no doubt about that. And baseball is uh, waning, especially with the younger generations. But it doesn't seem like it, it gives a shit. You know, you know what would be smart for them to do? The pitch it, clock. The pitch clock does help. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, every now and then, you know, like I know that they're talking about what is Philadelphia next year, I think it's got it. And in 25, it might be Atlanta or Chicago or a couple other places. What about Field of Dreams for the All-Star game? Yeah. That might be something that could be they could shake it up a little bit because you know like this you know this year they're skipping it and i think they're skipping it next year too because they're going to birmingham i love that idea frankly i think that's great you know birthplace of willie you know not birthplace but what might be um willie mays where he got his start you know with the birmingham team there i think that would be that's great i'm glad that they're doing stuff like that but you know can you imagine an all-star game at field of dreams you know that that would be all right. I think yeah. that would, I think that could energize the game, you know? So, you know, cause it's certainly, I covered both of those games up there and it was um, the first one was the greatest event I've ever covered. I, I, and I don't say that lightly, but it, it, and it was a moment where the game matched the surroundings and everything, the pageantry, you know, of wow, this is really cool to, Holy shit, look at this ending. <laughs> you know, I don't need to see another game again because I just watched the best one I've seen. But uh, if they had that in the All-Star game, that would be that would be the best. Yeah, hopefully with the renovations that, and development up there, which I have mixed emotions about, yeah. if they're going to do it, if they're doing it anyway, lean into it and uh, make the most of it and take advantage of the facility and put state baseball there. Yeah. Um, you know, really lean into it. Yeah. It'd be perfect. Cause the time of year, you know, it, it this is when you have the, and there's an opening too, because this is the last year of the three-year contract that banks for oh. the big schools and then banks goes into renovation mode. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for a new location next year. They should yeah. do it up there. Absolutely. And Carroll, I mean, I, I remember, we both remember back in the old days where it was Marshalltown and Carroll, and that was... Ugh. I never went to Carroll. I always went to Marshalltown. Yeah, same same with me. The first time I went to Carroll was for an iClub this spring, but <laughs> that's just, you know, and I understand, you know, that uh, the iCubs, it makes it difficult and everything like that. And, and yeah, course, I think the i, I what I, from what I had heard, the iCubs and... Um, the Colonel Stadium is a more Memorial Stadium where they play. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess a, a, a rule change, minor league baseball, major league baseball, they can't guarantee five days in a row for the tournament. So that's why it's not at uh, the iCubs or Colonel Stadium. Yeah. And Dwayne Banks is a good place. Mm-hmm. And there are other places that probably could could host it you know you think someplace like waterloo wouldn't be bad uh, but you know field of dreams you're, you've got the signature place in the state and how many kids would love to grow up and go to that i mean yep. just yeah i think it's perfect and i threw out the idea of fall ball game, uh classic last week in my uh you know kind of conversation with people you know because you, know, you don't want to do it in the spring you know, like college baseball in the spring, there's no yeah. more miserable place on earth than playing baseball 
uh, right next to a cornfield that has that's just been planted or even before it's been planted. Um, it's miserable. It's hell on earth because the, the wind, if it's 45 and it's sunny, it's, it's like a mirage because then the wind comes and it's like, God, it's like 15. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so if, but if you were to do it last weekend in September, and the the uh, the corn is gr- uh, golden brown, and you have a harvest classic at Field of Dreams. You know you can get IH Red Zone sponsoring it, right? You know? Yes, <laughs> and Gary Dolphin. <laughs> Contact us for any ideas. We Scott and I have a lot of ideas, so yeah, and right. we're more than willing to share them with you. And if you want to compensate us, we'll take that too. So. Yeah. Um, Speaking of baseball, here we got another transition here. The Major League Baseball draft was this week, Scott, and uh, four Hawkeyes uh, have hooked up with Major League Baseball teams. Bring this up here so I don't get people's names wrong and what have you. But uh, Jacob Sim- or Jared Simpson, I keep calling him Jacob. Jared Simpson uh, was the first uh, to hear his name called, first Hawkeye to hear his name called. Uh, and he went in the eighth round to the Washington Nationals. He is a Clinton, Iowa native relief pitcher for the Hawkeyes, and he went in the eighth round to Washington. Uh, and then we had Ty Langenberg, a Urbandale product, went in the 11th round, and he went to the Minnesota Twins, so staying in the Midwest. Um, and he became the 29th player drafted under Rick Heller, uh, and he was the final guy selected uh, in this year's prospect, and then we had two young men who signed uh, free agent deals, Will Christofferson, uh, and probably the biggest name uh, that we heard of, and obviously had his name uh, talked about a lot for off the field, um, for an off the field gambling investigation this uh, spring and summer. Keaton Anthony signs a free agent deal, undrafted free agent deal. With the Phillies, Scott, I had seen like preseason, uh, he was top 300, which would put him roughly in the middle rounds of the draft, 10-ish, kind of where uh, Langenberg went. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I would have to talk to major league, uh, you know, player personnel people to, to see if this uh, impacted his draft at all. But uh, as we know in most sports, NFL, uh, NBA, uh, these teams invest a lot of money and they do some serious background checks. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, the situation couldn't have helped him. No, <laughs> you know, that, that's for sure. And I know he went to the Cape Cod league and was cut, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So that's kind of why, you know, I think, and, and plus the rounds have been cut significantly, especially since, uh, you know, the teams, you know, number of teams, but 120 of them have been trimmed right. in the last few years, including my hometown Burlington Bees, um, were, were chopped away. So, you know, I'm sure that's probably led to it, but, you know, he's got an opportunity and a really unfortunate ending to his career. Yeah, uh, you know, I showed a lot of promise, had a great career up until the, the time that he wasn't, uh, he was withheld from competition. So hopefully he can you know, get back, but, you know, losing those three pitchers, that's, you know, they were all, you know, really good players um, for Iowa. They did a really nice job. And, and, uh, but, you know, at this point, if, if Iowa holds true, you know, and they only lost uh, uh, the, the guy to Maryland, the, the second Sam, Hon- Sam Honor. 
Yeah, Honar. And then uh, these players, I mean, Iowa might be the favorite next year to win the Big Ten. Yep, and you got the top of your rotation back with Marcus Morgan and Brody Brecht. So uh, that's always a good place to start in college baseball, right? The guy, yeah. the guy for LSU is a damn freak. Yeah, uh, that guy. Hopefully, he hopefully his arm stays healthy because he he's he's fun. Yeah, he's a guy that can, you know, maybe be in the MLB next year. Skeens is that yes, his name, Paul? Yeah, yeah. Paul Skeens. Mm-hmm. And he was a transfer, wasn't he? A transfer portal edition, I think. <laughs> I think he yeah, was. <laughs> you might know that. I that's beyond me on my. Uh, I think uh, he was. I could be wrong. I, I'm trying to keep up with the. But to your point boys. earlier, Rick Heller has done a great job with the baseball program and uh, continues to produce major league ta- or professional talent. And uh, good luck to these guys as they get their careers started at the next level. Um. Speaking about futures and careers, I'll do the best I can to transfer on the uh, to do a transition on this one. But uh, we had talked about um, uh, a pickup that Iowa had last week before we started recording, and that was uh, Godfrey yeah. Rashad Godfrey Jr. He committed last week, uh, and then after we had recorded the podcast last week, Jalen Watson uh, has since committed and he committed on July 8th. So five days ago, and he is a defensive back from Toledo, Ohio, originally from Detroit. And he is the nephew of former Iowa running back two time thousand yard rusher in a season, Fred Russell, that hasn't happened a lot at Iowa. So uh, certainly one of the more memorable names during that really impressive run from 2002 to 2004, I'll throw 2001 in there too, because that's kind of when it got started, but uh, we've talked about it before on this podcast, Scott, connections. I was very big on connections and networking when it comes to recruiting, and this one, both of these guys, Godfrey from the Florida area where Phil Parker recruits, and then Watson from the Ohio, Detroit areas that Phil Parker recruits, defensive backs, you got to feel good about both of these guys, and Watson is the guy that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and now they're they've had a, a really productive uh, official weekend. I went through the uh, I, I wrote a kind of a recap of that the other day. And you look at um, just the 2001, two two years ago. I think you know I think we even talked about it then as to how difficult the situation was for Iowa not to be able to get these guys on campus. And then they have the, you know, almost a blind official weekend right after the moratorium was lifted. I think there were 12 uncommitted players and only one, you know, Jacob Bostic was the only one who, who committed. Um, and then they were like, Oh my God, you know, what are they going to do? You know, we, <laughs> people were freaking out and we're trying to calm the nerves. And then it turned out to be a pretty good class. Well, this time around, it was the other way around. You know, you had nine uncommitted uh, to go along with the, what, I think there were 10? Yeah, because you know, they're at 19 Bert, now, I think. Yeah, and Bert was... Uh, he was know, just before the, yeah. the visit weekend. Yeah, so maybe it was 11 committed, and then there were seven out of nine have committed. Um, and then of Bert, who was visited earlier, and then there's two more left, and I think they've got they're in pretty good shape on the defensive end from Texas. Pima so, Chikwe, yeah, Chikwe. Is that I how think that's it? how it's pronounced. Okay, so um, you know, and the other one is, is Xavier Lucas, and what happens there, I don't know. Uh, so you know, to be able to close 
you know, like uh, closers, you know, like the Greg, <laughs> Gary Glenn Ross, but <laughs> at, at 19 right now though. And, you know, so, you know, you have some wiggle room with the rest of these. Um, obviously, you know, you talked about uh, Lucas and Chikwe. Um, so if they get in there, then, you know, that gets you to 21, or at least, you know, if you get one, you're at 20. Um, and then we'll see. We talked about the fluidity of all this now with uh, the transfer portal and NIL and all yeah. that other stuff. So, um, you know, good shape. You go into the season with, a, you know, a great in a great position in the in the current recruiting class. And then, you know, you continue. It's it's that never ending uh, clock now where you're working on 25 and 26 and mm-hmm. Gotta, it never ends. It never ends for these guys. And, you know, I, I think what the optimum number or where they're probably headed is maybe 22. Yeah. Um, you know, where, but again, you know, they get into camp, they reevaluate the roster. Okay. We yeah. need this. We need to add this. Yeah. There's injuries during the season. People leave. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's because it, people ask me that Scott, they're like, well, what's the number going to be? And I'm like, you know, it's usually low twenties, but yeah, I, it's harder to predict that these days with so many moving parts. And and there are more, yeah, and there are more moving parts. There are more entry points because yeah. it used to be just basically one. You know, and it was when it was in February. Right, it was one. You just kind of gathered everybody, you signed them then, and then that was your way of of collecting, you know, talent. And but now you've got the, the transfer portal and you have a second signing day if you need to use it. And then there are other transfer portal opportunities next spring. So this is, you know, it's more of a ballpark or an estimate. And, you know, I, I think the way it shapes up today is that if they could get, you know, one more defensive lineman, one more defensive back, and probably one more receiver, then that's probably where they'll go. And, uh, but you know, you don't, you never know who's going to transfer at the end or who gets hurt, who's a medical, you know, who's leaving early for the NFL, who retires earlier. And then you, you know, as you get into December, you're looking at your roster going, ah, I don't know. Um, we're, we're pretty light here. Uh, Luke Lachey's looks like he's going to be a first rounder. Eric all is going to leave. Maybe we need to go out and get a veteran tight end or maybe Mason Richmond or, you know, had a great year and maybe he wants to go and you just don't know. And that's, mm-hmm. those are the the factors that now. I mean, they had an idea that Van Ness was a possibility this time last year, but I don't know as they were looking to replace him. Mm-hmm. This is not a program that likes to lose three-year sophomores. Yeah, and they got a good chance to lose one next yeah. <laughs> next spring again. Well, at least he's a junior. At least they got three years on the field. Yeah, that's true. But you know, like T.J. Hawkinson, you know, they redshirted him, hoping to get yeah, you know, you know, to stagger it because they probably, you know, everybody could see that Noah Fant was probably a three-year guy. And then, you know, Hawkinson just came on so strong and they still, you know, they still are hoping to cross our fingers. You get him one more year, you know, that petered out. And then Lucas Van Ness, kind of the same deal. He was almost exactly like Hawkinson in that, that he just became so good that, you know, yeah, you'd like to have him, but they knew that was going to happen at at the end. So, you know, you've got players that are going to be in that ballpark. I think Cooper DeGene is one for sure. We, you know, it's, it's obvious, but, uh, you know, one of the offensive linemen, you know, you just, 
would I predict it? No, but mm-hmm. things happen, you know, and so you got to be prepared for when things happen. Yes, very fluid in recruiting and roster management these days, and uh, not to make light of the serious nature of what happened at Northwestern uh, with the various um, charges from former players and the dismissal of Pat Fitzgerald. But that's another situation now where I believe the kids there have a 30-day window to get into the transfer portal. And I think Wisconsin sniped one of their recruits in, in the 2023 class, is it? Or 24? I couldn't, I don't remember which, so I don't want to be wrong, but that process has already started. And there are guys that were in on the Northwest, excuse me, Northwestern roster and recruits that obviously Iowa was involved with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at the couple of the offensive linemen for sure. You know, Nick Herzog comes to mind immediately and some others. And uh, you have to, I mean, you have to do what's best for your program. You know, you can be nice to an extent, but if Pat Fitzgerald was there, then Kirk might play nice, but there's no reason to play nice now. And, um, you know, first of all, what a horrific situation, something I didn't expect. I I think there's a lot of people you could say the same thing. And I know early on, and and there were so many reports that kind of debated, you know, and and it wasn't unlike what we witnessed a couple of years ago here. And I said, I can't tell if this is Sandusky at, at Penn State, Iowa in 2020, uh, or Duke lacrosse, you know, and that's the, the worrisome thing about going all in knee-jerk reaction to, to any of these situations. But obviously, um, there were enough corroborating uh, testimony that, that, you know, forced Pat Fitzgerald out. And, uh, but when you look at, the players, they're in a really rough spot. The ones that are there, they're there because of Pat Fitzgerald, you know, and some of them were probably abusers. Some of them weren't. Some of them looked the other way. Some of them didn't, maybe didn't know. Um, but anyway, th- there's just a lot of players there now that are um, hanging in limbo. What do they want to do? And then there's a lot of commits. And I wrote that this could hurt them football-wise for a generation because Pat was the one that Fitz was the one that kept them competitive, um, kept them, you know, cause they never, they, they had a couple of 47 ranked classes and that was it. Um, but when you look at, he was nine and eight against Iowa, you know, 11 and six against Illinois, won five times against Wisconsin and Michigan state had a winning record against Purdue six and six against Nebraska. Um, with a school that to me is at a detriment in so many different ways. But, you know, is, if the next coach comes in, the loyalty isn't necessarily to Northwestern. The loyalty will be, let's get a winning record and then get the hell out of here. <laughs> and uh, so I think that they're going to be in a really tough situation, which benefits Iowa, frankly, because some of the players that Northwestern got that, you know, that were upper echelon level. And I, I could think of two, game changers for Iowa, the Northwestern guy that maybe Iowa could have gotten away from him. Justin Jackson at running back and Peter Skaronsky at, at offensive line. They were hardcore Chicago suburban guys who went to uh, 
Northwestern. If Iowa could have got him, Justin Jackson at running back, whoo, that would have been nice. And, of course, Peter Skaronsky would have been, um, you know, they, they might have completed three or four more passes last year with him. <laughs> <Sorry. Oops. laughs> yeah, he was – he was a good one, and he'll be uh, a well-paid one now. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see how things shake out at Northwestern. And as I was saying, I think to Scott before we started recording, or maybe it was when we were recording, I feel for the Northwestern kids that have to go to Indianapolis later this month for the media gathering and having to ask answer questions about that because it sounds like the players played a role in this, you know, abuse and uh, so it's – that's tough. That's a, that's putting them in a very, very tough position. We'll see if it ends up happening, you know, if it ends up – if they end up having to, you know, go through that because you're going to get national people that are going to come at them. You know, I, I obviously advocate for openness, and but that – to me, Northwestern failed because of – it's lack of transparency. And I think that this is the one time where being a private institution hurt them throughout this whole process that they, they've never had to um, face FOIAs like Iowa, like Michigan, like other institutions do on a frequent, if not daily basis uh, to, to, to go through these processes. So they stupidly waited to the entire thing came out and then put through an executive summary and, oh, by the way, our coach is suspended for two weeks, but it's uh, the, the two weeks everybody takes off anyway. And voila, that was supposed to end it. Um, I, I look back at this thinking there were multiple situ- junctures. You know, can you imagine like, let's say right around spring practice, if Pat Fitzgerald says, hey, I want to address something here. Right, we're still in the middle of an investigation regarding hazing in our program. I've been informed that there has been hazing and we will not tolerate it. And we think that it needs to be eliminated. And he could have, if he would have done that, that nothing, it, this would have gone. I mean, he would, maybe he still got, gets in trouble, uh, but by taking it all the way to the end. And, and for those who maybe think that something stronger should have happened at Iowa, I think if there's one difference here and why Kirk Ferentz is still the coach and why Pat Fitzgerald isn't is Kirk's humility enabled him to at least to try to change, to do the right thing, to to accept responsibility in so many different ways. Whereas Pat Fitzgerald chose not to go that path. And even on Friday, even when this was announced, had he said something, that might have changed the the ultimate situation, and uh, so you know, for these players, I wouldn't fault them at all if they didn't show up. I wouldn't want them to show up because what are they going to say? How is this going to help promote their team and talk about football? I'm not going to talk about football. Put the AD and the school president, yeah, on the podium. Have them answer the questions. Well, exactly, Derek Gregg and Michael Schill. Have them sit there. Yep. Have them answer questions. You're going to put an interim coach up on the podium and then put them on the side for an hour to talk about this. How that's, that's unwinnable. That's really difficult. Yep. I think, I think you're right. Put, 
put Derek Gregg up there, put Michael Schill up there, have them talk, have them describe the situation and the process. Don't make Bryce Gallagher go through this. Uh, you know, Rod Hurd, Bryce Kurtz, those are the players that are supposed to come and talk about it. I, I just don't, you're putting them in a very, very difficult, they're young men. And, you know, there's, you, you could look at it a couple of different ways. They could have been part of the problem. They might not have known about the problem. However, you're trying to put them in a situation where they're going to really have issues going, you know, trying to describe what they want to describe with this. And then after that, you know, what kind of football are you going to ask them about? They're not going to be able to answer those questions. No, no. Um, well, we'll see what happens here in a couple of weeks when we get down to Indy. Um, let's wrap up with uh, your, uh, the athletic series that you're involved in, in with conference expansion uh, in college athletics. Um, I know it's, it's overarching, but there's certainly plenty of Big Ten discussion and Iowa connections to that. Yeah, I had a very, very long um, uh, interview over the phone with uh, Jim Delaney and, uh, you know, lasted two and a half to three hours in length and totality. <laughs> Talked to him for about half that time and then uh, hung up and then he wanted to talk more. In fact, and he told me he went to the dentist <laughs> And he, he was trying to think about anything but getting dental work done. So then he started <laughs> taking notes and then he had a bunch of things he wanted to say. And then funny thing was, I was like at a coffee shop when he called. So I went outside. It was on one of those brutally hot days. So I, I went into my car to take the notes and, and record. And and then my phone overheated. So then I had to go back in and do it that way. It's just a mess that way. But but even th- even so, very, very fascinating discussions. You know, the only topic that he really wouldn't address that I asked him for were uh, schools that they considered in 2010 uh, when they ended up going with Nebraska. And he chose not to discuss those out of non-disclosure statements. But we went through the Penn State debacle in 1990. And that's going to be its own story at some point. Uh, We went through... um, all the, the moving pieces after Penn State from the Southwest Conference and Big Eight merger to the SEC and the teams they took to uh, this dalliance with Notre Dame that ultimately didn't work. That's what a story that went up today. Uh, tomorrow, it'll be how BTN influenced expansion, the Maryland, Nebraska, and Rutgers attractions and then what maybe the future may hold so it's really an in-depth look that i took part of and then um i've got two more stories coming out um, on different teams in the big 10 penn state being one of them and then uh another story this is completely different is i I looked at i was initially going to do rivalries that uh were killed because of realignment but but when you think about it, Rob, there are great rivalries that were started and continued because of realignment. And some of these were like Penn State, Ohio State. That was a really great series. Um, and then there were ones like uh, Tennessee, Florida, which they never really played each other in the SEC. And then all of a sudden they're in the same division and they gave us Peyton Manning versus 
Steve Spurrier and, you know, saying things like, uh, you can't spell citrus without UT. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. But um, specific to Iowa and and Iowa State to an extent, I did include in in some of these categories uh, series that involved Iowa and, you know, like one thrived. I put Iowa, Nebraska in there. And I know that may sound strange, especially against laying next to some of the others, uh, Tennessee, Florida, Ohio State, Penn State, Arkansas, LSU, and Clemson's Florida State. But, you know, Iowa, Nebraska, I I just kind of wrote that they didn't know how much they disliked each other until they started facing off on Black Friday. And now it's a protected rivalry in the Big Ten. So I think we can agree that there are uh, fan bases that interact on Twitter more so than others, even if depending on their rivalry and Iowa and Nebraska tend to interact. <laughs> Maybe Iowa, Iowa state is close, but, but I think that when things start heating up, Iowa and I seem to be in the middle of it a lot of times, <laughs> you know, but that's one that that's in there. And uh, so I mentioned them and then I spotlighted uh, under the survived category Iowa, Wisconsin. And because, you know, we've seen it multiple times, you know, legends and leaders. (laughs) There you go. There's your laugh. (laughs) Um, It died, you know, for a two-year cycle. And then when Penn State joined the league, it died for a two-year cycle. And then they they really wanted to keep this one alive. And here we are. It it thrived. And and, uh, and now it's still uh, it's a made man, you know, it's like mafia term. It's a made series, you know, yeah. it's, it's permanently attached. And, and, and I did have a couple that added, you know, in the Iowa realm, not just Hawkeyes, but Co Cornell in survived, you know, cause Co Cornell is one of the oldest series in the, in the country. And, um, you know, Cornell's changed leagues and they still kept that alive, uh, and, uh, a category tried that <laughs> were, everybody you know you're trying to make series and they just don't kind of work you know uh, iowa state west virginia i think is one that hey they tried yeah. to make it a rivalry but eh, now now it's not really a rivalry. has to happen organically it really yeah. does yeah and uh and then under died where there is a lot of them there but iowa state missouri you know it, it wasn't one of the main ones believe me there are many more yeah. above it but you know they played i think 106 times you know so you know, uh, but if, as Jamie Pollard once told me, he goes, yeah, we really don't have anything in common other than we played each other for a century. <laughs> so. yeah, and there's that, you know, it's a, it's a blurry line between like, um, you know, what is and what isn't a rivalry and what's just really been a, you know, like Iowa, Illinois, Yeah, you know, or more recently we were talking about Northwestern, Iowa Northwestern's had some really good games, but Rivalries are what they are, and like the Nebraska and Iowa rivalry, I mean, there's a chance that we saw it at its infancy, but when we're long gone, people won't remember that it started, yeah. you know, now, right. you know, in, in the in the, during this time, you know, 75 years from now, when we're long gone, <laughs> people will be like, won't even be able to think about what it was like before there was an Iowa-Nebraska rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when all the, every fan that's watched, uh, you know, five, you know, holds up five for trophies, national titles at Nebraska and all those people that watch those are, you know, <laughs> in the ground with us and, and, you know, they, it's in the past and, and it'll all be about the present and the future. And, and, 
you know, there's there's really a lot of steam here, and I think I think most Nebraska most Nebraska fans recognize that that in the old Big Eight, you know, their great rivalry, no question, was with um, was with Oklahoma. But those days are gone, and and that was a different kind of rivalry. Um, it wasn't heated necessarily. It was just because they played great games against one another for years. So that was an organic, wonderful rivalry for them. Colorado was a little different, but they still they looked uneven at each other uh, historically. And Nebraska's tried that with Iowa, but it doesn't work because Iowa doesn't have any history with them. And Iowa's history is pretty good. And and Iowa doesn't handle disrespect very well. I think we can all agree to that. When teams start to and fan bases try to disrespect Iowa, it doesn't work. So there, you have this, un, you know, this disdain for one another and passion and and vocal fandom that that interacts and gets feisty and and so you see that and uh, so I think that it's 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 going to be probably the the series in twenty years, Rob. I think that's probably the series that maybe is the number one for Iowa. Um, Minnesota's the oldest, greatest trophy. Wisconsin's the most competitive. It's the closest in the Big Ten. Iowa State's within state borders, but we don't know what to predict of the Big 12 and maybe what schedules will shape out. But I think Iowa and Nebraska has the most potential. And um, and if Nebraska can kind of get off the mat, I expect they will at some point. Um, and if Iowa can continue to be a competitive program, and that one of the just once one of those games matters to both teams equally, yep. then I think you're looking at, uh, you know, the potential to be, you know, because if I know I've held the, I held this poll last year. I said, what team do you think is your biggest rival? And I think Wisconsin won, but it was close for Iowa fans. What team do you hate the most? It was no question. It was Nebraska. So I think that's where things can go there. Nothing like good old fashioned hate to fuel a rival. <laughs> yes um yeah check out that series on the athletic that scott's got going on now and the the other members of the athletic staff have going on over there it's a worthwhile investment uh great coverage throughout all sports at the athletic so check them out i think we've exhausted everything that we came to talk about for another week Mm -hmm. um be here next week we'll be that much closer to the Big Ten Football Media Days in Indianapolis. Uh, we'll be next week. Will be our last podcast before we head down there. So yeah. um, we'll look maybe a little bit more at that. Uh, what we expect to talk about here down there, uh, and I'm sure there'll be plenty more news along the way on the Iowa beat for us to discuss. Did I forget anything, Scott? <laughs> I don't think so. I think we're, I think we hit just about everything. I'm sure we'll miss something or something will come up here in the next. And some, hours. yeah, something will come out here in a, a couple minutes after we stop recording. Some news yeah. will break. Yeah. And yeah, yeah probably gambling or something, <laughs> <laughs> which I hope it does. Cause I really don't want that thing lingering much longer. Uh, but you know, next week we also do talk to players, football players um, on Tuesday. So, so we'll have uh, a little more, you know, a little, a little bit more to, to share there. And, um, you know, and, and again, you know, the one thing that maybe we didn't mention is, you know, players treasure their time away too. And that's their time away, you know, before camp. So maybe, maybe there, there are a few that says, Hey, I'll volunteer to do the Iowa one in midsummer and uh, like <laughs> blow off the one in Indy, but. In As the- they become veteran, they become more crafty and understand like, Hey, 
if I come out to the interview room right after the quarterback, um, there won't be as many people talking to me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Those are veteran moves we see when we're at these uh, media gatherings. But, yes, Tuesday we'll get some more uh, Iowa football players to talk to. Look forward to that. Look forward to talking to you folks next week. want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you so much to our sponsors as well. And uh, we'll be back next week on the Hawkeye Hotspot Podcast. Say goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Scott.